saw the Supreme Lord in that posture, smiling with eyes like the petals of lotuses grown in autumn, they were overwhelmed with happiness and immediately fell down like rods offering dandabuts. Then they slowly rose and pleased the Lord by offering him prayers. Purport. In Vaikuntha Loka, the Supreme Personality of Godhead has four hands and decorations like the Srivatsa mark on his chest and the gem known as Kaushtubha. These are special indications of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. The Lord's personal attendants and other devotees in Vaikuntha have the same features except for the Srivatsa mark and the Kostuba gem. Om Gyanat Timarandasya Gyananjana Shalakaya Chapshur Militan Yena Tasmai Sri Gurve Jai Sri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Sri Advaita Garadha Sri Vasani Gauravata Rinda Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Rama Hare Hare. The Devata's wish has become fulfilled. As we discussed Sunday, the Devata's are generally mixed devotees who certainly accept the control and authority and supremacy of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, but they're attached to controlling and enjoying. Materially, that is. The pure bhakta, the pure devotee, is attached to enjoying in that everything is about Krishna's pleasure. As Srila Prabhupada writes beautifully in one Bhagavatam purport, the pure devotee has no way of sensing happiness and pleasure other than Krishna's happiness and pleasure. Chaitanya Charitamrita. In the discussion of the, the distinction between love and lust, a very beautiful section of Chaitanya Charitamrita as presented by Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami. The pure devotee has no way of perceiving happiness or pleasure except by way of Krishna's happiness and pleasure. In other words, we are indirect enjoyers only by constitutional makeup. And material life is a total rebuttal of that foundational axiomatic truth. In the Devatas, you'll see partial rebuttal, however. <laughs> they want Krishna to have pleasure, and they also want their own pleasure independently, as we heard in <clears throat> a preceding verse, text 25. We are unable to see him because all of us think 
that we are separate and independent gods. So in other words, that misconception, even partially, <coughs> impedes your vision. So we briefly discussed on Sunday how this is a very difficult point to swallow because we think our perception, our capacity to know, depends on us, for the most part at least. We realize that we can depend on or utilize our own enhancers, just like eyeglasses or hearing aids, but as a whole, although we acknowledge the Supreme Creator, we have this feeling that our sense perception is mostly up to us. So this is a mistake brought about by our seeking to occupy the position of independent enjoyer and control. And we also spoke Sunday about how the material world is wired, so to speak, in that, in a way that as soon as you want to enjoy, you must control, at least to some degree. Just like little children, when they want something, they manifest controlling powers. They start crying and screaming and throwing a tantrum. That's control. Right? Do you do that? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> and the controlling capacity develops further into adults who want to make their place in the world, carve out a, at least a foothold in the world, establish ourselves in the world, and make our own arena of loving exchanges with us in the center, <laughs> surrounded by those whom we choose to exchange rasa with. In our imitation of Rasaraj, <laughs> Sri Krishna. And we also discussed a little bit on Sunday about how we are not innocent, although we think we are. Because, perhaps like the devatas, we feel that we acknowledge the presence of the Supreme Personality of God. We are theistic. And therefore that excuses us to, to, to in some degree, treat Krishna like he is our order supplier. That very appropriate terminology that Srila Prabhupada taught us. We're converting Krishna into our into the one who supplies our orders. Like you go to a restaurant and the the waiter or waitress comes to you, yes, what would you like? You have the menu in your hand. Of course, we don't have any restaurants like that in Melbourne. We don't have any Gopals or Govindas where the, the waiter comes up to you, or yes? No, all right, so if you, 
have been experienced, man, we know which restaurants you're going to. <laughs> you don't have to confess now. <laughs> so, the waiter comes up to you. Yes, what would you like? And you have the menu in your hand. Oh, I'd like this. I'd like that. And that. <laughs> and then if you are going to give the restaurant a good service rating, how do you judge? We've been waiting 5, 10, 15 minutes. The, the order is not here yet. What is this nonsense? <laughs> so we bring that attitude into bhakti. Krishna, we've been serving you so wonderfully for two years now. And the blessings have not come. <laughs> in Australia, as in many Western countries, Christianity in its most popular form is known as prosperity religion. Of course, in India that's, that element has been there since time immemorial in the form of worshipping the devatas for material benefit. And a little and there's always been that fear of Krishna. You don't know how Krishna is going to treat you. <laughs> the devatas, you can rely on them. It's a pure material transaction. You do yajyas, you Satisfy the devatas, and then you get the material blessings. Of course, in Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says that those benefits that the devatas bestow are actually coming from Him. So, in the Vedic panorama, there has always been prosperity religion, but Srimad Bhagavatam as the cream of the Vedic literature kicks out prosperity religion right in the very beginning. Dharma projita kaita bhoja paramonamatsaranam satam No material motivations are allowed in Srimad Bhagavatam. Material motivations are described but they are in no way advocated. In fact, they are minimized. So, prosperity, religion, the biggest churches in Australia, for example, are prosperity churches. Thousands of members gathering in a, even a stadium-like facility. And while they're, I know, while they are making prayers, these thousands of persons who come on Sunday, on, they have multimedia screens everywhere, so everyone can see. And on the screens, while they're praying, flashes, what will you pray for? Finances. Visas. It is. It's that. <laughs> Maybe should we start doing that? <laughs> have big screens in the temple room, and all this kirtan going on. Choose what you want. <laughs> Finances, PR, <laughs> pass the English test, choose what you want. <laughs> and this is very popular. 
Sometimes it's moderated a bit. <laughs> I, I know these things. I come from a Christian background. So sometimes the, the, the minister, the priest, will, will, or pastor will moderate. It's not that the Lord will give riches to everyone. But at least you should ask him for financial stability. <laughs> so we laugh, and we know this is not pure dharma. But now people want this. And the David Tons are the most expert at it. The beautiful prayers that they offer. You're going to hear them. Now that the Supreme Lord has manifested first in their heart and then before him, before them. They're going to offer prayers which are brilliant and beautiful. They confess that we're not pure devotees. We want things. Because they're devotees, still they get some reciprocation from the Supreme Personality of God. They're his servitors. They're supervising aspects of the material creation as a service. So therefore, we are instructed. We don't disrespect the devotees. They're not the Supreme they're serving the Supreme as like departmental heads. At the same time, Bhagavatam teaches us that there's a higher level of existence than what the devatas espouse, what they demonstrate. And that is the realm of pure bhakti. Actually, the Vaishnava is not interested in any planet in the material universe. As Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita, Abrahma Bhubana Loka Punaratuna Arjuna. Any planet in the material realm is considered actually uninhabitable because of the time effect. And the time effect produces anxiety. Because whether you think about it consciously or not, time is corroding everything in the material cosmos. Even for Lord Brahma. So the Vaishnava is interested only in service to Krishna. Now, Brihad Bhagavatamrita explains that it is true that Krishna is present wherever he's glorified, wherever he is served. And it's true that a pure devotee prays simply for the chance to serve Krishna wherever Krishna wants and however Krishna wants it. At the same time, Brihad Bhagavatamrita teaches us that Vaikuntha does have its special, we should show special respect for Vaikuntha. Even though 
It's the service to Krishna that can bring about the presence of the spiritual world anywhere. Just like when Prabhupada came here to Melbourne. He said that if you're doing everything for Krishna's pleasure, if Krishna is the supreme joy of everything, then as this temple is meant for, then you are not in Melbourne, you're not in the material world, you're in Vaikuntha. And then he said further, you're in Vrindavan. And of course all the devotees exploded with joy. So it's true that wherever Krishna's name is chanted, wherever there's devotional service, the spiritual world is there. Of course, that chanting and that devotional service has varying degrees of potency, purity. So similarly, the intensity of Krishna's appearance will be generally reciprocal according to the purity of the chanting and the service. Still, Vaikuntha receives special respect. Why? Because the service there can go on unimpeded by time and physical limitations. Furthermore, in Vaikuntha, Krishna, Lord Narayan, can always be seen without any limitation. Whereas, one aspect of devotional service in the material world is that Krishna is not always visible due to constraints of physical limitations and time. Of course, for the most advanced devotee, there is the feeling of separation from Krishna, which also brings about Krishna's presence. So there are different aspects of seeing Krishna and feeling Krishna's presence. And it is true that bhakti is universal. It can bring about the presence of the Supreme Personality Guided anywhere, because Krishna is everywhere. He's in every atom, he's in everyone's heart. Everything is his energy. At the same time, as I said, as Brihad Bhagavatamrita said, you offer special respect to Vaikuntha. You don't minimize Vaikuntha, because their service can go on unimpeded. Whereas in the material world, the advanced devotee continues his or her service despite the physical impediments. But in, this, in Vaikuntha, there are no physical or time impediments. Another point that arises is if devotional service is rendered by the spiritual senses, how is it that those neophytes can engage in Krishna's service? So Brihad Bhagavatamrita explains that 
It's very helpful for the neophyte to feel something which is actually not true. That I, with my tongue, am chanting Hare Krishna. I, with my tongue, am tasting Krishna Prasad. I, with my ears, my, my own ears, hearing about Krishna. It's actually, in the deepest sense, not true. Because everything about Krishna is purely spiritual. And devotional service is the internal potency of the Supreme Lord. So what's going on then? Should you jump to the conclusion that devotional service involves material senses, serving material sense objects? Because otherwise, the neophyte doesn't have spiritual senses operating. So how is it that Krishna can be contacted and served in the neophyte state? The answer Sanatana Goswami gives is that this is true. You can't approach Krishna and his service with a material with material senses, just like you your your material senses approach material sense objects. So then what are we doing? What's the hope for us? Krishna's mercy intervenes. Because Krishna is infinite, with infinite possibilities, he can arrange that even though, as far as you know, you're just using your material senses to serve Krishna, because Krishna is merciful and unlimited, he can still arrange for your spiritual advancement. In other words, it is Krishna himself, his mercy his unlimited mercy, atik prasad, that fills the gap, so to speak. In Bhagavad Gita, in the fifth chapter, we hear, we learn, that the advanced yogi, through karma yoga, can understand that life in this material body, life in this material world, simply means the senses interacting with the sense objects. So impersonalists, my bodies, then conclude, your bhakti, your devotional service, is just about material senses, contacting your material sense objects. In other words, it's all just another form of karma. Nice karma. Not nice karma, but... (laughs) (laughs) Nice karma, but still, it's karma. But Krishna is independent. By his mercy, he can accept the service of devotees who are not fully realized. In not fully realized means their spiritual senses are not at the fore. They haven't fully developed. But, by the process of bhakti, here's the conclusion, by the process of bhakti, your senses become spiritualized. The example we all know. 
put the iron rod in the fire, and the iron rod acts like fire. But that takes time. So what's going on before that? Iron rod reaches maximum hotness, so it acts like fire. What goes on is Krishna's mercy. <laughs> what goes on is Lord Chaitanya's mercy. So we're dealing with one inconceivable factor after another. Even though we don't have pure spiritual senses interacting with the pure spiritual objects of Krishna's name, form, qualities, and pastimes, Krishna's mercy allows us to make spiritual advancement. Another way to look at it is at this situation, this paradox, is how is it that no one knows who is Krishna in this age of coming? Even in India, they don't know who is Krishna. They get so confused. Yet, Lord Chaitanya and Lord Nityananda are distributing love of Krishna freely to persons who don't know him, who don't know Krishna, or who are very confused about Krishna. Still, they're getting to taste love of Krishna. Shishi, Gorn, and Thai are distributing the flavor of loving Krishna to people who don't know Krishna or who are very confused about Krishna. So as we may have heard about this paradox, in order to love someone or taste love of someone, you have to know that person. But Sri Jaitanya Mahaprabhu, Sri Nityananda Prabhu are violating all these protocols of normal life and even Krishna's protocols. They're violating them and distributing the taste of love of Krishna even to persons who don't know Krishna or who are very confused about Krishna. Being very confused about Krishna is the same as not knowing Krishna. <laughs> if you've ever dealt with someone who is confused about who you are what you're doing, maybe it happens at your workplace, maybe in your own family. That means the person doesn't know you. If they're confused about you, they don't know you. <laughs> Yet, in spite of not knowing Krishna, we are allowed to taste love of Krishna. Even though we may be neophytes, but still, the taste is there. And that's what pushes us onward. So we spoke about the devatas and their material desires. They are the experts at prosperity dharma. They expect that we have appealed to the Supreme Personality of Godhead. We've stated our case and now we sit back and wait for the incarnation to appear and save us. And indeed, the Incarnation does appear. <laughs> and that's what we hear about today, as Shukadeva Goswami relays to Krishna Maharaj. Ittite Sham Maharaja. 
Maharaj, when all the demigods offered him their prayers, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Lord Hari, carried his weapons, the conch shell, disc, and club, appeared first within their hearts and then before them. The very gatedness of the Supreme Personality of God it is always a challenge to impersonalists. And in this day and age, everyone is afflicted by impersonalism, even though they call themselves theists. We deny the possibility of full personhood in the Supreme Personality of Godhead. We think these details are not important. What's important is just that there is a creator. There's a maintainer, there's a destroyer. We don't want to hear about the details, or we consider the details, the so-called details, to be not so important. All right, the main thing is Lord Hari has appeared. Now, what, what, in terms of what he's carrying, now, that's what's, the, what's so special about that? Why do we have to think about that? He wants to carry a conch shell, disc and club, and a lotus flower? Well, that's his affair. That's not important. But the Bhagavatam always throws this in your face. <laughs> the transcendental variegatedness is important because it indicates the personal flavor, the personal individuality of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. We take our variegatedness to be very important. How the dress that we wear, wear some ornaments, how our hair is, we take them to be very important. But the Supreme Absolute Truth, no variety. Or if we allow the Supreme Absolute Truth to have variety, we just think these are minor, unimportant details. So you can kind of feel or think, why is Shukadeh Goswami spending his time and energy elaborating on such details as Shankar, Chakra, Padma, Just get on with it. God has appeared. Leave it at that. <laughs> this is our contamination. <laughs> and we think that's enough. I admit that there's supreme power. That's enough. And I do expect that supreme power to show up for me when I'm in distress. Or when I need things. Beyond that, I don't need to know anything more. But Bhagavatam says, yes, you do need to know more. The more you know about Krishna and his expansions and incarnations, the more you'll love Krishna. Let the relationship deepen by awareness of the details of Krishna's unlimited beauty. So therefore, these items are important. Lord Hari appears. Carrying his weapons, conch shell, disc, and club. And of course, he has the lotus flower too. And he appears first within their hearts and then before them. And he has distinguishing characteristics. You may have thought, why uh, do I have to pay so much attention to the Srivatsa mark and the Kostuba gem? Uh, I have my jewelry. <laughs> the Lord has his jewelry. It's not the main thing. I have a mark on my 
on my body, the Lord has a mark on his body, but <laughs> what's the difference? There is an, an extraordinary difference in that Krishna's ornaments are eternal. By meditating on Krishna's ornaments, you're meditating on Krishna himself. His name, form, qualities, pastimes, paraphernalia. So you can just fix your vision, fix your meditation on the Srivatsa Mark and the Kosh Duba Gem. These are essential attributes of Lord Narayana. So in this way, the Bhagavatam is pull, always pulling us up straight, making us understand the realm of transcendental variegatedness. Because if you can't understand that about Vaikuntha, how are you going to understand Goloka Vrindavan? When Mother Yashoda holds Krishna on her lap and looks into his face and sees little teeth coming out, <laughs> you'll think, oh, that's just fictional, nice stories meant to inspire us. <laughs> so all these details bring us the supreme reality, which is full of unlimited transcendental variegatedness. That variegatedness is a proof of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Just like with Panchatapa, as we read in Chaitanya Charitamrita, the impersonalists say everything is one, and what does Krishna say? All right, I'll come as five. So the more we hear about the transcendental variegatedness of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, the less impersonal we become. The Upanishads state, Nicho Nichana, Chaitanas Chaitanano. There's one supreme eternal amongst all the eternal living entities. There's one supreme conscious entity amongst all the conscious entities. What's the difference? That one is maintaining all the others. So there is sameness and then there is distinction. So when the residents of Vaikuntha make themselves visible to you, especially as the Vishnu Dut does, they look just like Lord Narayan. You can't, as we said Sunday, or maybe it was Sunday night, you can't distinguish between the Supreme Personality of Godhead and others just by the number of hands. Because there are, you can read in Krishna books, so many persons who have thousands of arms. Banasura. You read in the Bhagavatam about Kartaviyarjuna. So some say that Narayan is God, but Krishna is not because Krishna only has two hands. 
It's not the number of the hands, it's the quality of the form. And Krishna is always Satchitananda. Vigraha, as Lord Brahma says, the form of eternity, full knowledge and condensed bliss. But the residents of Narayan, the residents of Vaikuntha look just like Narayan, except, in other words, Lord Narayan maintains some distinctive characteristics. And those characteristics distinguish him from other residents of Vaikuntha, the Srivatsa Mark and the Kostuba Jam. So these details are relishable. They're not just something we memorize and toss aside. They're not simply something that we gloss over. No. These are essential characteristics of the Supreme Personality of Godhead that are meant to inspire our awe and veneration and ultimately to inspire our spontaneous love especially when we hear about the very gaitiness of Galoka Vrindavan and Braj. All right, any questions? Yes. Uh, we, have, we have the tiny desire to also want to please Krishna through our activities. Also want to what? To, to please Krishna with our activities. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, despite our effort, um, when we fail to please Krishna fully, so what should be our attitude and prayer at that point? How do you know that you have failed to please Krishna? Or that you have pleased Krishna? How do you know? The prasad tastes better or what? <laughs> More pizza prasad comes your way? How do you know? We've been trying, but, but the mind is still not focused, so we haven't really fully been very attentive in our chanting. But if you're trying, that is pleasing to Krishna. If, I often give the example. If you're talking to someone and they're trying to hear you, you feel... Some reci- you feel reciprocal. You feel that the person is doing nicely. Even if the person says to you, while you're talking, my mind's wandering, but I'm, please, I'm really trying to focus and hear you. You, you would not cut the person's head off. <laughs> Failure, you nonsense. <laughs> you would appreciate that the person is trying is it her best to hear you and is admitting to impediments and imperfections but doesn't give up trying. So Krishna, as I often explain, is not some kind of cruel punisher, some kind of Stalin or something. <laughs> the head of Stalin's secret police had a mantra about how he could 
put anyone he wanted into a forced labor camp. He said, show me a man, and I'll give you a charge. I'll accuse him of something. So we kind of think Krishna's like that. Here we are, poor, terrified bhaktas who can't chant the holy name. And Krishna's going to lock us up at any moment. It's true that Krishna is very strict. But we have Krishna as Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu along with Sri Nityananda Prabhu. And so we want to be progressive in our bhakti, progressive in our chanting. Otherwise we never think that we're chanting well enough. And this is demonstrated by the foremost chanter of the holy name, Sri Tathani Mahaprabhu himself. I'm so unfortunate I have no attraction for chanting Hare Krishna. And he's a supreme chanter. You never get enough. So be progressive. And as we spoke earlier today, you can't, well, the Shastra says, Atas Sri Krishna Namadi Nabhaved Krayam Indre. You cannot grasp or comprehend or perceive the name, form, qualities, and pastimes of Krishna with material senses. But, Sevan Mukhi Hijivadal Swayamevas if you begin with your tongue to vibrate the holy name and taste prasad, gradually Krishna becomes manifest. Why? Out of his mercy. Even though material senses can only contact material sense objects, Krishna compensates by giving his mercy to someone who is trying to serve him. Even though their spiritual senses are not fully at the fore of their life, at the forefront of their life. Anything else? Yeah? As you said that with material senses, we cannot please, uh, with material sense objects and material senses, we cannot please Krishna. I didn't say you can't please Krishna. You can't actually engage. Considering yourself on your own, you cannot engage in devotional service with material senses because devotional service is always about spiritual sense objects. But because of Krishna's mercy, you can do that and then gradually become purified and your spiritual senses come to the forefront just like the iron rod in the fire. Leave it there, it becomes so hot, it acts like fire. So you're dealing with the miracle of devotional service. What are spiritual senses? Huh? What are spiritual senses? What are spiritual senses? The only reason why you feel you have material senses is because they're based on spiritual senses. Just like the substance is based on the shadow. So spiritual reality is real perception, 
real sensory activity. But we think my material senses are the everything or the almost everything. And so therefore Krishna kindly allows you, Brihad Bhagavatamrita says, Krishna kindly allows the neophyte to feel, with my tongue I'm chanting Hare Krishna. With my tongue I'm tasting prasad. With my eyes I am seeing the deity. Because we're attached to our body. <laughs> so this is mercy. But actually it's only because of Krishna's mercy that you can have spiritual advancement because Krishna can't be dealt with by material senses. So you may say, well, what about when the book distributor goes out and meets people and offers them an opportunity to engage in service by offering them a book? So are the people engaged in karma? Aren't they taking Srimad Bhagavatam Bhagavad Gita? Isn't that spiritual? Yes. That is Lord Chaitanya's mercy. So the more you think about this, the more you'll understand what's going on. Actually, everything is Krishna's energy, matter and spirit. Krishna can convert matter into spirit and spirit into matter. Anything else? Yeah. Hare Krishna. You always say that. <laughs> yes. Have you seen this past time the demigods they first glorify the Lord and then they start praying to the Lord? So question is how like we see ourselves and so when we are at home we just say Krishna please help us. But like how can we make the habit of us glorifying Krishna and um start praying to Krishna? By doing it. I remember when I was a little boy, five years old, I would sometimes lose my house keys. <laughs> and I would pray, Oh God, if you help me find my house keys, I promise I'll glorify you. <laughs> <laughs> the big crisis, losing my house keys. You know? <laughs> so I would always pray like that. Oh God, help me find this. Help me find that. Help me get home from church in time that I can watch the baseball game on television. <laughs> because church would end at 12 o'clock, just one hour service, from 11 a.m. to 12 noon. And then the baseball games on TV at that time started at 1 o'clock. So I had to race home from church. Turn on the TV. Oh God, help me, please. <laughs> <laughs> I missed the beginning of the game. <laughs> so, what do you think? I was a good boy, yes? At least at that age. <laughs> but it's obviously not real Dharma, it's a shadow Dharma. The shadow of Dharma. But it's something. But then later I remember when I was 14, I went to a boarding school in the mountains and it was beautiful. I remember riding my bicycle in these beautiful mountains and thinking, oh, 
it was autumn time, so all the leaves were golden brown, surrounded by these beautiful sights everywhere. And I thought, surely this is, there must be God. But after a few years of such high-powered education, when I was 16, I remember one priest came to the school to lecture because it was a school kind of related to the Anglican Church. In the U.S. they called the Episcopal Church. So he came to lecture, and we had to go. And all the students were groaning. We got to listen to this guy for 20 minutes. <laughs> and I remember he was lecturing. Look at the beauty of the mountains. Look at the beauty of the valleys. Surely there's God. And I turned to my friends and said, how unscientific. <laughs> but that was when I was 16. So six years later, I was in the Brahmacharya <laughs> Things change. But you'll always be a nice devotee, right? <laughs> Anything else? Yeah. As the Shastra says, actually, Krishna is approached to his devotee. And that's why we have a spiritual master to help us to clarify what is for Krishna's pleasure and what is not. Otherwise, it can be difficult. Shilabhakti Siddhanta Sasitakur points out that one effect of materialistic association incurred by a devotee is that he or she loses the ability to distinguish between material and spiritual affairs. It all becomes one mixture. That's a deadly effect from material association. And therefore, Lord Chaitanya, when asked about the symptom of a Vaishnava, said the first symptom is a sat-sangha-char, a Vaishnava-char. The genuine devotee gives up the association of those who are non-devotees. That doesn't mean you act in an obnoxious, <laughs> repelling way. But you don't mix your heart, you don't reveal your heart to those who are materialistic. You want to protect your heart from contamination. If you try revealing your mind to materialistically absorbed persons, generally they want to point out that all your problems in life are because you're not making enough money, you're not having enough sense gratification. They think this is the effect of religion, that you'll become exhausted trying to control your senses. You'll become mentally unbalanced by denying yourself of the essential activities of life. 
But once you just lose control of your senses and act like everyone else, you'll be so, your disposition will be lighter. Everything will happen better in your life. Just look at the way we live. Isn't it so attractive? (laughs) As we destroy our own habitat, as we threaten one another with nuclear weapons, isn't it so attractive? (laughs) We pollute the air, we pollute the water, we pollute the food. Haven't we done great? Don't you want to be like us? Why are you trying to control your mind and senses? Distorting yourself in that way. Thank you very much.